Hello, friend. I'm Ron Jones of Something Good Radio. All scripture is profitable for teaching and reproof. But let's face it, God gave us a lot of scripture. 66 books and more than 600,000 words, and it can sometimes be a little overwhelming to read. That's why I wrote my new book, The Ultimate Road Trip Through the Bible, to help you navigate your way through the highways and byways of God's Word and see how it all fits together so brilliantly, how every path, every passage, and every page points to Jesus, who is the Christ. The book comes in two volumes. Volume one covers the 39 books of the Old Testament, while volume two takes you through each of the 27 New Testament books. Both are now available to order, and I'd love to send them to you today. Here's Brian with details. The Ultimate Road Trip Through the Bible, Volume 1 and 2, can be yours today by request for your gift of $50 or more to support the ministry of something good. When you order the print versions, you'll also get instant access to the Route 66 Digital Library, a $275 value. The online library includes electronic versions of the book, plus video sermons, audio messages, and downloadable sermon notes on all 66 books of the Bible. Visit somethinggoodradio.org to request the two-volume set and to gain immediate access to the Route 66 Digital Library. That's somethinggoodradio.org. Pastor Ron, there are so many good books published every year. Why should someone buy The Ultimate Road Trip Through the Bible? And who did you have in mind when you wrote these literary travel guides through the Old and New Testaments? You know, Brian, your questions make me think of the words of wise Solomon in Ecclesiastes 12 and verse 12. Of the making of many books, he writes, there is no end. And oh, how true that is. For what it's worth, as a Bible teaching pastor for more than 30 years, the ultimate road trip through the Bible is my way of helping people understand the overall story of Scripture and how all 66 books of the Bible fit together into a unified work of the Holy Spirit. I wrote with all kinds of people in mind, starting with the serious Bible student, even those who teach the Bible. I'm thinking of pastors, Sunday school teachers, and small group Bible study leaders who might use these two volumes in their preparation. But I also wrote for the person who is just getting acquainted with the Bible, which we all know is the best-selling book of all time. Brian, you can read The Ultimate Road Trip Through the Bible from beginning to end like any other book, or place it in your Bible study toolbox. I know that if you're a lifelong learner of God's Word as I am, you will return to The Ultimate Road Trip Through the Bible repeatedly. As companions to your personal Bible study, these books will always help you see the big picture before you dive into the details of any book of the Bible. That's why I'll be ordering my own copy, Pastor Ron. We're so glad you decided to share this important book with us. And you can get your copy today by going to somethinggoodradio.org. Both volumes of this great resource are yours for a gift of $50 or more to support the ministry of Something Good. Give online at somethinggoodradio.org or over the phone by calling our offices at 757-276-1099 or mail your gift to P.O. Box 6245, Virginia Beach, Virginia, 23456.
Well, throughout his earthly ministry, Jesus made several I am statements. I am the way, the truth, and the life. I am the vine. I am the door. But the first of these statements from John chapter 6 was, I am the bread of life. Today, Dr. Ron Jones takes an in-depth look at these words as he moves forward in his series, Why Jesus? Seven reasons why he is still the one and only. Stay with us here or drop by somethinggoodradio.org anytime to listen to the broadcast on your schedule. That's somethinggoodradio.org. From John chapter 6, here's Ron with today's Something Good Radio message, The Bread of Life. We're diving into the first of the I Am statements, and we're going to find it in John chapter 6. Let me just focus our attention on one verse by way of introduction, John chapter 6. And verse 35, Jesus said, I am the bread of life. He who comes to me shall never hunger, and he who believes in me shall never thirst. Now, the price of bread isn't what it used to be, is it? If you've done any shopping in the grocery stores lately, you understand what I'm talking about. In fact, I did a little research this week, and I discovered that in 1940, $1 bought 10 loaves of bread. Do the math. That's 10 cents a loaf. Pretty amazing, isn't it? In 1950, one dollar bought five loaves of bread. In 1960, one dollar bought three loaves of no four loaves of bread. In 1970, one dollar bought three loaves of bread. You know where I'm going with this. Uh, Last night, I went down to the grocery store and I bought a loaf of bread. You know what it cost me? Three dollars and sixty-nine cents. It's called inflation, isn't it? And uh, you know the impact of that. Does anybody want a free loaf of bread this morning? I've got one here. Anybody? Anybody? You look like you can catch. There you go, sir. Free loaf of bread. Don't let anybody tell you there ain't no free lunch in this world. You just got a free loaf of bread this morning. And we are in these I am statements, and we are with statement number one where Jesus said, I am the bread of life, and he who believes in me shall never hunger, and he who comes to me shall never thirst. Now, that statement is found in John chapter 6, and there is a lot happening in John chapter 6. It is a long chapter. It's some 70 verses. We're not going to be able to read through all of them, but let me just kind of set the stage here for verse 35 when Jesus makes this statement, I am the bread of life. 2,000 years ago, Jesus gathered with a group of people on a hillside overlooking the Sea of Galilee. Uh, They had been following him around. He had been teaching, and by, oh, noontime, early afternoon, they got hungry. And it was a big crowd. The Bible says about 5,000 men and their families. So you do the math there. It could have been a crowd as as large as 10 or 15,000 people, hungry people. And Jesus looks at his disciples, and he says to them, we need to feed these people. And they look at one another and say, well, we don't have enough food to feed these people, and we don't have enough money to go into the next town and buy enough food to feed all these people. He says, well, what do you have? And they say, well, there's a little boy over here, and he has a sack lunch. And he says, great, let me have it. And he grabs this little boy's sack lunch. And the Bible says there were five barley loaves and two fish in that little boy's sack lunch. And Jesus bowed his head, and he gave thanks, and he blessed it. And he started handing out baskets of fishes and loaves. And they just kept coming and kept coming, and the disciples went up onto the hillside and fed these 5,000 people plus their families and all that with five barley loaves and two fishes of bread. It was a miracle. We know it is the feeding of the 5,000 plus. And the disciples are scratching their head wondering, how did this happen? Well, the people quickly 
ascertained that Jesus was a special prophet, and they wanted to make him king. And that's when the Bible says he, he, he slipped out and, and went to the mountains to be by himself. Well, the afternoon went by, evening came, the disciples are looking for Jesus. He's nowhere to be found. They decide to get in a boat and to sail to Capernaum. Capernaum was Peter's hometown, and most scholars believe that was the uh, ministry headquarters for Jesus and his disciples. They figured maybe Jesus would catch up with them later. Well, they get on the boat, they're sailing across the Sea of Galilee, and a storm hits the sea. And it's a fierce storm, and it, it puts fear in the hearts of the disciples. What scared them even more is when they found Jesus walking on the water. They take him into the boat. He speaks peace to the storm and peace to their heart, and the Bible says immediately the boat was on the shore at Capernaum, another miracle. And so now Jesus and his disciples are in Capernaum. The people who were fed the day before, they wake up the next day. They go looking for Jesus. He's nowhere to be found. They know the disciples went to Capernaum. They get in their boats. They sail across the sea, and they find Jesus there in Capernaum, and they get into a conversation with him. You know, he had just, he just fed their hungry bellies, and he says to them, you're, you're following me just, you know, because I satisfied your physical appetite. And he begins to transition that miracle and help them understand that there were spiritual lessons for them to learn from that little fishes and loaves exercise they went through the day before. And that brings us to verse 35, where Jesus says to this crowd, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me shall not hunger, and whoever believes in me shall never thirst. Those are amazing words, amazing words. They're also peculiar words. It makes me think, as a student of the Bible, why, why the bread of life? Why not the filet mignon of life? I mean, come on, if we're going to sit down and have a meal, let's have a really good one. Why not the lobster cocktail of life? I mean, why did Jesus choose such a common food metaphor like bread. I mean, you can go down to the grocery store today, and yeah, it's more expensive than it was in 1940, but a loaf of bread only sets you back three or four dollars. And who, who's to tell what it was back in Jesus' day? Why something so common? Bread is commonplace, isn't it? But that's the point. Because the Savior of the world, the Son of God, who came down from heaven to earth, came to identify with common, everyday people like you and me, who are just trying to put bread on the table. He didn't say, I am the caviar of life, because if he did, he would, he would only identify with the elite and the wealthy. And this reminds me of the words of the Apostle Paul in his letter to the Philippians. Paul writes these words about Jesus, being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be grasped, but made himself nothing, taking the nature of a servant being made in human likeness and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient to death, even death on the cross. Yeah, that's, that's the whole, at least one of the points of the bread metaphor is, is, is Jesus, if I could say, is a populist God who identifies with common people. And so whether you can afford to eat at Panera Bread or you get your bread at the local food shelter… Jesus can identify with you. He, he's here for you. He is the bread of life. He is the bread that sustains your life, not just physically, but spiritually as well. Now, Jesus does another thing here. He, he wants His listeners on that hillside who received the fishes and loaves miracle 
to make a connection to uh, the Old Testament and to a story there that every Jew was familiar with. And the story I'm talking about is, is the one about the manna. You remember the manna that came down from heaven? Uh, look in John chapter 6 and verse uh, 32 and 33. Jesus says to the crowd, Truly, truly, I say to you, it was not Moses who gave you the bread from heaven, but my Father gives you the true bread from heaven. For the bread of God, listen to this, is He who comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. Now he's taking the physical illustration, and he's teaching a spiritual lesson here, and he takes them back to the Old Testament. He says, you remember that story when the Israelites, you know, you came out of Egypt and all the slavery, and they come into the wilderness? It wasn't long before they started grumbling and complaining because, you know, the food was better in Egypt. And Moses goes to the Lord and said, come on, you know, we've we got to feed the people. And he says, great, I'm going to send you manna from heaven every day. Manna literally means what is it? You ever had somebody put a meal in front of you and you go, what is it? Well, that's, that was kind of their reaction when the manna came down from heaven. But it came down every day, little, little flakes of, of manna. And they had manna pancakes for breakfast and then manna, manna burgers for lunch and I don't know. They, they made manna out of everything for 40 long years. And it's taken all these years later for Jesus to connect his life now to what God was doing back here. He says, he says, I am the bread that came down from heaven to give you sustenance and to provide food for your soul. He is the essential one. Uh, he is the eternal food for our souls. He, he is sufficient to satisfy our deepest hunger. And Jesus is also the one who taught us to pray, give us this day our daily bread, Right? And again, the Old Testament Israelites learned the importance of that daily dependence upon our necessities from, from the Heavenly Father, because the manna works something like this. If you were tempted to store it up and put, you know, days or weeks worth of manna in your food pantry, <laughs> it would rot by the end of the day. And so God wanted the, the Israelites to go through the daily experience of collecting the bread from heaven. Uh, to, to, to understand how, how, how daily they were dependent upon the Lord for our necessities. Jesus taught us to pray, give us this day our daily bread. He's also the one that when he was tempted by the devil in the wilderness, remember after those 40 days of fasting in the wilderness, and, and he was hungry at the end of 40 days, as any human being would be, and the devil comes to him and says, well, you're God. You're the Savior. Why don't you turn these stones over here into bread? And remember what Jesus said? He said, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. So Jesus takes this very common substance, this bread, and teaches a very important spiritual principle. Don't go away. We're only about halfway through today's message with Dr. Ron Jones, lead pastor at Atlantic Shores Baptist Church in Virginia Beach, Virginia. Today's teaching is part of Ron's series, Why Jesus? Seven Reasons He is Still the One and Only. Visit our updated website, somethinggoodradio.org for more information on this series or to hear any of Ron's daily messages on demand. That's somethinggoodradio.org. When you stop by, be sure to check out Something Good Travel. Travel beyond belief with Dr. Ron and Catherine Jones to Bible lands like Israel, Greece, Italy, Jordan, Turkey, and Egypt. 
walk in the footsteps of Jesus, or navigate Paul's missionary journeys, several new travel experiences are now open for registration. Learn more at somethinggoodradio.org travel. Jesus said, I am the bread of life. He is our sustenance, our spiritual manna. Here's Ron with the rest of today's message, The Bread of Life. He wanted those people on the hillside 2,000 years ago and us today to understand this, this very important idea. You can have a full stomach, and most of us in this room do. I mean, how many of us have missed a meal this week? You can have a full stomach, but an empty life. And the only way to have a full stomach and a full life, or an empty stomach and a full life, is to meet the one who says, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never hunger. Whoever believes in me, he says, will never, ever thirst. It isn't about filling your empty bellies, he says. You followed me across the sea to Capernaum to come find me, he said to the crowd. Because your bellies are full? Come on. You have much greater needs than just your your physical needs. I created you with a spiritual need to know me. And you'll only satisfy the deep hunger and the deep thirst in your soul if you get to know me, who is the bread of life. Bread for the stomach without bread for the soul leaves us empty, doesn't it? Because we were created to know God. We were created in a way, we're just, our software is, is, is coded in a way that the only way for us to get satisfaction in life uh, is to meet the bread of life who will satisfy us. But a lot of us are doing the Mick Jagger thing. You know, we've come to that place in our life where we realize, I can't get no satisfaction. I've tried drugs, sex, rock and roll. I, I've tried uh, money and success, power. And they satisfy for a moment, but they don't last. It's kind of like eating cotton candy. You know, you get a thrill for a moment, but then you know, afterwards you just feel terrible. Uh, Blaise Pascal was a philosopher years ago who said it this way, There is a God-shaped vacuum in the heart of every man which cannot be filled by any created thing but only by God the Creator made known through Jesus Christ. And that's an important reality to grasp this morning, even as Jesus says, I am the bread of life. So in one sense, this first I am statement is is, is a rather simple one. Uh, Jesus is that spiritual food as we take Him into our being by faith. He's that spiritual food that will satisfy us, and that satisfaction is eternal. But John chapter 6 contains a much larger discourse about the bread of life. And, you know, if you were to read it from verse 1 through verse 71, uh, you, your mind, like mine did, might spin around a little bit because Jesus, I mean, it's a, it's a pretty big discourse and a lot of teaching here. And I'm going to do my best that I can in the time that we have remaining to kind of break it down into some digestible parts so we can understand the highlights of what Jesus is saying. But I want to suggest to you that there are three, if I can say it this way, three pieces of bread in this discourse that are difficult for some people to swallow. And the first has to do with the theology of Jesus, the theology of Jesus. And I want to pick up the reading in um, in verse 35. Go back to verse 35, Jesus said to them, I am the bread of life, whoever comes to me shall not hunger, whoever believes in me shall never thirst. Now verse 36, but I say to you that you have seen me and yet do not believe. 
All that the Father gives me will come to me, and whoever comes to me I will never cast out. For I have come down from heaven not to do my own will, but the will of Him who sent me. And this is the will of Him who sent me, that I should lose nothing of all that He has given me, but raise it up on the last day. For this is the will of my Father, that everyone who looks on the Son and believes in Him should have eternal life, and I will raise Him up on the last day. Sounds like a theological Rubik's Cube, doesn't it? I mean, he's just kind of twisting and turning and, and touching on a lot of different theological areas. I want to suggest two of them, again, that are kind of like a piece of bread that's hard to swallow. The first has to do with the sovereignty of God in salvation. The sovereignty of God in salvation. What do I mean by that? What I mean is that um, uh, God sovereignly draws men and women, people like you and me, to Himself. Jesus uses that kind of language. He says in verse 37, all that the Father gives me will come to me. Uh, he says later that uh, uh, no one can come to me unless the Father draws him to, him, to, to uh, himself. And, and that's, that's language that leads us to an understanding that when it comes to salvation, it is the sovereign work of God. That's because the Bible says there is none that does good, not even one. There is none who seeks after God. None. Not one of us in our sinful state has the kind of heart that wants to run after God. Uh, because we are fallen human beings, corrupted in our, in our operating system, as it were, by this virus called sin, we don't naturally seek after God. God has to draw us to Himself. Man cannot live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. Jesus is that word. He is God in the flesh, the bread of life, the spiritual manna which sustains us. Thanks so much for being here for today's Something Good Radio message, The Bread of Life. Visit somethinggoodradio.org to hear any of Dr. Ron Jones' messages on demand or to contact us for prayer. That's somethinggoodradio.org. Hello, friend. I'm Ron Jones of Something Good Radio. If you've been with us for a while, if you're a regular listener and God is using this broadcast in your life, I want to speak directly to you. When you first tuned in or streamed Something Good, did you know that other people paid to air that program? We call them our ministry partners. They have people just like you in mind when they donate monthly to Something Good which is a 100% listener-supported ministry. Now that you're a regular listener, will you do the same? Will you help us share something good with someone else? We created the 828 Club for people who choose to partner with this ministry through prayer and monthly financial support. It's based on Romans 828, which in the message says, every detail in our lives of love for God is worked into something good. I'm asking you to prayerfully consider joining the 828 Club today by giving $28 or more per month to share something good with someone else. And when you do, we'll send you some resources to help you grow in your relationship with God. It's our way of saying thanks for your partnership in this gospel ministry. So please join the 828 Club today. Here's Brian with all the details. Remember, when you partner with us, we'll start by sending you a copy of Ron's popular book, Mysteries of the Afterlife, exploring its amazing secrets. Other 828 Club benefits will arrive throughout the year, 
To join the A28 Club today, look for Something Good Partners at somethinggoodradio.org. That's somethinggoodradio.org. Or call 757-276-1099. Think about our relationship with food. Think about somebody who has a purely intellectual relationship with food. This is somebody who loves to read recipes. Uh, this is somebody who just pours over the ingredients in his or her mind and just, just loves to read the recipes and how the food is brought together. Uh, they read uh, the writings of great chefs and the, and the recipe books of great chefs and they study food and they even look for hours on end at pictures of, of beautiful meals on tables. But they never actually sit down and take food into their body. They just have an intellectual relationship with it. Do you know what happens to somebody who has an intellectual relationship with food? They die. That's next time in part two of Dr. Ranjan's message, The Bread of Life. Join us then for Something Good. For Ron and the entire team here at Something Good Radio, I'm Brian Davis saying God bless and thanks for listening.